heard this story about a guy who was seen playing checkers in a park with a monkey. Now, as people walked through the park, they noticed this unusual spectacle, and it eventually garnered the interest of a small crowd of people after a few games. There was this buzz in the air, and most of the conversation centered around this amazing animal who could play checkers. Now, the man eventually became annoyed with everybody's amazement, and finally, with a tone of exasperation, he said, I don't know what the big deal is, everybody. Sure, the monkey can play checkers, but I have beaten him seven out of ten times. This guy's missing the point. And when somebody misses the point, it can be very hard to help them find it again. And sometimes you discover that perhaps maybe they haven't missed the point or even lost the point. Perhaps they never got it to begin with. You see, losing the plot happens in all aspects of our lives. We see it politically, we see it in how we treat our bodies, we see it in how we treat the earth, we see it in relation to love, and of course, we see it in relation to spirituality. You see, a lot of people who've left the religion of their childhood are now wondering, what was the point of it all? There's a question I often ask those who come to my door, trying to get me to sign up for their religion, you know, so um, I can get my ticket to heaven, at least their version of it. I often ask them, listen, is there anything a little more immediate that your religion can offer me? This whole life after death thing seems like mortgaging my present for my future. But when life is difficult right now, I I wonder, is there anything that your faith offers that's immediate? Can it offer me anything to help deal with the struggles of daily life, like the hurting, the loss, the disappointment, as well as the abundance, the joy? the dreams and the hopes? It's an interesting question. You've heard me say this before, but it bears repeating that if your spirituality doesn't offer you anything in this life, I don't trust it for the next one. You see, Jesus didn't come to show us how to leave. He came to show us how to live well. And what's amazing is Jesus spent the majority of his time speaking about the human condition, the human experience, the here, the now, not the here after. He addressed the issues that we face on the daily. The truth he spoke about didn't need to be microwaved or unthawed. It could be consumed immediately in most cases. His teaching had an urgency attached to it. It was relevant. It was practical. The kingdom of God, he would teach, is at hand. It's within reach. In other words, the world of God is accessible. Listen to how immediate this sounds. Are you tired? Worn out? Burning out? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This is a paraphrase of Jesus' teachings in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Doesn't that sound inviting? It's an invitation to learn from Jesus. This is really what it means by following. It's all about learning from. 
follow me isn't an invitation to just tag along. This isn't your older sibling forced to babysit you at Wonderland with her friends, you know, saying, you know, keep up. No. When Jesus says, follow me, it's an invitation. It means watch me to see how he does it. How he does what? Life. He wants to show us a new way to live, a new way to respond to all the stuff that life throws at us. And Jesus says, I can help with that. I can help with that. Too many think that following Jesus is about just saying a simple prayer, about about inviting Jesus into our lives. But doesn't that idea sound more like, hey, Jesus, come follow me? That unscriptural idea became wildly popular in the past 60 years, but it really doesn't make much sense. It's not enough to simply believe in Jesus. The real transformation happens when we believe Jesus. What I mean by that is, it's one thing to say you believe in this Jesus, that he came as a baby at Christmas and died at Easter and rose again. Yeah, that's all meaningful for sure, but it's another thing altogether to believe him when he says, come to me, all you who are tired and burned out, ready to give up. He offers a whole other perspective on what we are experiencing. I became like you. So you can become like me, he says. So follow my lead. Believing in Jesus is easy. Believing Jesus is not. When he says don't judge because it's destroying you, don't hate. There's a better way. Anger can be a form of violence. Or if you want to feel forgiven, forgive. Do we actually believe him? When he says that another kingdom, another world exists within this one. Open your heart to see it, to see a different way of living, of choosing, of responding. I don't know. Do we believe him? How about when he says, don't treasure things that rust, invest in what lasts beyond this life, hope, peace, love. Be careful not to believe the lie that you are the sum total of all that you've accomplished because you're not. You're more. Do we believe him when he says, don't worry about tomorrow? Today has enough worry of its own. Trust me. Choose my peace. Do we believe him? Or is it just easier to believe in him? You see, I think that many people have missed the point when it comes to faith, and that might explain why for many it seems unnecessary or irrelevant now. I meet so many people who've given up on the idea of God. And when I talk with them, I ask them, what what is it they're giving up on? What part? The love? The purpose? The meaning? The redemption? The forgiveness? Which part are you giving up on? They usually don't know what I'm talking about because their reference point is worshiping God on Sunday. They aren't too familiar with the Monday to Friday stuff. You see, it's easy to see why people get caught up in only believing Jesus because they're often only offered the teachings about Jesus. But there's a difference between the teachings about Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. You see, the teachings of Jesus present us with a choice. Will I believe him? Is he nuts? Love my enemies? Forgive those who've hurt me? Pray for those who oppose me? I don't know. That sounds risky. I think I'll just believe in him and take my chances. 
And so my fear is that many people have not really discovered God's invitation because they substituted it for their own. Instead of me following you, Jesus, you can follow me. Many people abandon Christian faith without ever having really practiced it. G.K. Chesterton once said, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Hmm. Jesus is recorded in John 15, 14 as saying that we are his friends if we do what he's taught us to do. Again in 15, 17, he says, I am giving you these teachings so that you may love one another. And in 14, verse 15, he says, if you love me, then follow my teachings. If you love me, you will believe me and do as I have instructed you. Apparently, Jesus meant what he said and said what he meant. Because Jesus didn't just come to ramble on for three years until Easter to start a fan club, get t-shirts made, and then, you know, um, no, Jesus came because he had something to say. Rachel Held Evans is one of my favorite authors. Some of you have read some of the books that we have in our little church library at the back. Unfortunately for us, Rachel passed away a couple of years ago unexpectedly, leaving a young family and an astonishing mark on her generation. Listen to what she writes from the perspective of a generation that's disappearing from religion and church. This is what she says. She says, what this generation really wants from the church is not a change in style, but a change in substance. We want an era, or sorry, we want to end the culture wars. We want a truce between science and faith. We want to be known for what we stand for, not what we're against. We want to ask questions that don't have predetermined answers. We want churches that emphasize an allegiance to the kingdom of God over an allegiance to a single political party or a single nation. We want our LGBTQ friends to feel truly welcome in our faith communities. We want to be challenged to live lives of holiness, not only when it comes to sex, but when it comes to living simply, caring for the poor, the oppressed, pursuing reconciliation, engaging in creation care, and becoming peacemakers. You can't hand us a latte and then go about business as usual and expect us to stick around. We're not leaving church because we don't find the cool factor there. We're leaving the church because we don't find Jesus there. Like every generation before ours and every generation after, deep down, we long for Jesus. Wow. You see, when we gather as a community, it isn't just to worship God and talk about God, but it's to listen for God and to live in response to what we hear and learn and to consider what Jesus taught, to believe that this way desires to change our lives and our world. To believe in God is to know about God, but to believe God is to trust. And that is the essence of faith. One is information, the other is about transformation. I know when I was raised, the idea of following Jesus was a yes or no question. Will you? Yes or no? But notice in the Bible, Jesus doesn't ask the disciples if they want to follow him. Because following isn't a yes or no question. Following Jesus is more than one decision. It's thousands of decisions every day. Every time you're confronted with a choice, 
The choice between indifference or apathy. Indifference or empathy. It's a choice to follow Jesus or not. The choice between forgiveness or bitterness is a choice to follow Jesus or walk away. The choice between fear or trust, hope or despair, greed or generosity, compassion or pity, all of these choices, not easy, but you get to choose whether or not you want to follow Jesus' example, his teachings, and engage them in your life and choose to believe him and work towards them. None of them are easy, but they lead somewhere. Where? Well, when you follow Jesus and his ways, they lead to where he's taking you. And in his own words, his way is leading to the Father. It leads to God. The disciples were asked to follow. Sorry, they they weren't asked to follow. They were invited to follow. Invited to another way of experiencing this thing called life. Following Jesus isn't the correct answer to a question. It's the hungry response to an invitation. Now, are you ready for something different? In the next five weeks, we're going to look at what happens when you take the teachings of Jesus and you sort them by topic, separating them from the teachings that are in response to questions that he was asked and teachings that are initiated by him. In other words, the stuff that Jesus wants to say when Jesus has something to say. And when you take the pile of teachings that are initiated by him and distill them even further by looking at the ones that are repeated in every gospel multiple times, and then you take that short list and discover the ones that are not only repeated several times, but reinforced by a parable or a story, which is a sign that a rabbi is emphasizing something important, you discover that five ideas keep rising to the top of what Jesus wants to talk about. And when you look at these five topics, you discover that these are the pillars of the human condition. These are our daily struggles. And Jesus came to address all of these and to show us a way. And they're so intricately connected that they actually build on each other. These teachings of Jesus work in tandem with each other to address and build towards a different kind of human experience. And when Jesus says in Matthew and Luke that whoever hears my teachings and puts them into practice will be like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. And when the rain falls and the winds blow and beat against that house, it will not fall because it's built on a solid foundation. What is your life built on? What is your faith built on? So this is your invitation to join us for the next five weeks to become covered in the dust of our rabbi as we follow closely and discover just how much Jesus has to say when we finally let him speak.